It's the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood, the only Baltimore podcast that featured Marlon Humphrey and Ronnie Stanley on the show in the last week. Make sure to go back and listen to our first round draft instant analysis where we had the two all pros from the Baltimore Ravens on the show at Jimmy Seafood. Have to give a quick shout out once again to our title sponsor, Jimmy Seafood, for hosting a fantastic draft party. Me and Banks were both in attendance. Marlon and Ronnie are both there, and they're both great enough to give some of their time. So uh, go back and listen to that. But, boys, it's time to do the full draft recap. Ravens, pretty much from all observers, hit a home run in this draft. So let's go down the picks, and then we'll, we'll sort of go pick by pick in terms of the analysis. At 14, they stayed where they were to start and picked Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame. Then got a first-round pick back. Uh, for Hollywood Brown and took Tyler Linderbaum after a very uh, small trade down with the Buffalo Bills, the center out of Iowa. They took David Ajobu, the edge rusher out of Michigan, Travis Jones, the defensive tackle from UConn in the third round. They then executed on all six fourth-round picks, made no trades, took Daniel Falele, I believe I'm maybe getting that right, <laughs> the offensive tackle from Minnesota, Jalen Armour Davis, cornerback from Alabama, Charlie Kohler, tight end from Iowa State, Jordan Stout, punter, punter from Penn State. We'll get to that. Isaiah Likely, tight end from Coastal Carolina. Demarion Williams, cornerback from Houston. And Tyler Batty. Um, it might be Beatty. Don't, can't, can't, we'll confirm that later. Running back from Missouri. So that's the, those are the picks for the Ravens. So we will start at the top. And, and me and Banks sort of talked about Hamilton and Linderbaum on the show the other night, RDT. So I'll, I'll let you jump in on the Ravens' first first-round pick and and what your thoughts on them staying at 14, picking Kyle Hamilton in a position where they have Chuck Clark, they have Marcus Williams, and they add um, a guy that some people thought was the best overall player in the draft. Yeah, I mean, what a specimen this guy is. It's it's honestly pretty absurd that they were able to get him at 14. Uh, I know safety is at a position of high value like some others, uh, but there are evaluators who had Hamilton as the best player in the entire draft. Uh, he's massive for a D back at over six four two twenty. Hits like one two. Are you picking up what I'm doing, Banks? I'm just reading Banks's blog word for word. That's exactly <laughs> what he wrote. I was seeing how long I could go. Um, you could have kept going. I was like, wow, he <laughs> sounds like he's just reading off of somebody. I mean, I he's know. a perfect compliment to what Marcus Williams brings to the table. Williams frees up <laughs> Hamilton to play closer to the line of scrimmage and fly to the football. What embarrassment of riches. Braden's have gotten the secondary now. What I mean, a, no, what a writer. What an absolutely just, no, I just I just pulled that up. Poetry, the top. to be honest. Yeah. Um so. he's like you said, he's a freak. I saw that there were some people who was who were, you know, listing him as the number two overall prospect in, you know, in the in going into the draft. Um he's good. He's he's really, really he's good. good at football. He's good. He's a certified hitter. Um, just a good football player. Um shades of Tom Zubikowski with the uh, the Golden Domers back, you know, back there. Was he he was a wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. He absolutely um, was. I was trying to figure out what what you were even questioning about that. Yeah. I couldn't so remember if he was such a goal. One of the most such obvious college <laughs> player, um, college co- uh, combinations of all time. He's no. I, again, I mean, he's a really good football player, and this was a, like a typical Ravens pick because obviously there were people who were like, we don't, you know, you don't need safety help right now. Why, why take him? But it's like he's. I mean, he was by far the best player available, and. I mean, it seemed like, and I know you guys talked about it a little bit on the 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 really really good post draft post first round wrap up. It seemed like it, it was going to be Jordan Davis. Like it was like mm-hmm. this is 
everything was falling into place for the Ravens. And it was like, this is going to happen. They're going to get Haloti out of 2.0 and Jordan Davis. And, <clears throat> and it's like, I, and then, you know, it seemed like people were very down and like upset when that happened. And it seemed like people kind of right away perked up again. Cause you're like, Oh my God, this guy, Kyle Hammond, like he's a Raven. He's a, he was born to be a Raven. Again, you look at the size, how he plays everything about him. Um, I mean, the, like those, the, the clips of him online, just like, starting in the middle of the field, intercepting the ball and the, you know, basically on the sideline. Like it, he's, he's an unreal player. Um, I think he's, he's going to be a fun ball hawking safety. And that's the only thing you're going to hear now. It's like, Oh, he's a ball hawk. He's a ball. You know, we're going to get shades of that again, but I think it was a hell of a pick. Um, he's, he's a really, really good football player. That sounded pretty thorough. It sounds a lot like my paragraph. Just, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's just, it reminded me of the C.J. Mosley pick a handful of years ago when we had all our, you know, eggs in these baskets of these guys that people have been talking about for months on end. And then all of a sudden you get a blue chip player from a big time college just fall right into your laps. And it's like, well, what are we going to do? Not take this guy? Like, of course, we're going to take him. So, it's, I mean, I don't think that. Eric DaCosta could look anybody in the face and say, we took best player available and not have taken Kyle Hamilton there. Um, he ran like a four, five, nine, 40 time. And that's what supposedly tanked his stock a little bit, but it's like, come on, man. Like let's not overthink things here. He's a great football player. He's got all the measurables. He's uh, a great compliment to Marcus. I mean, I, that was a sentence I wrote in the blog. <laughs> a great compliment to Marcus Williams. I mean, Marcus Williams is going to play back and play center field, and, and Hamilton's just going to uh, be free to, to do all kinds of fun things. I'm excited to see what, what Mikey Mack can dial up for the guy. Yeah, it's interesting. You, you said it, RDT. Um, it felt like it was going to be Davis, and it felt like that the Eagles traded up above the Ravens to make sure they got Davis. But then, and the, you know, this could all be press speak, who knows. When you listen to Eric DaCosta talk in the press conference after and, 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 and John Harbaugh, it felt like they just couldn't believe that Hamilton was falling. But if they had the choice between Hamilton and Jordan Davis, they would have taken Hamilton. That's what it seems like based on them saying, you know, he got to a certain number and they were like, Hamilton, maybe Hamilton. So, I think Hamilton may have been the pick the whole time, even if Davis was still there, because they. I just don't think they could give up on the give up that kind of talent uh, at a at a position. Uh, there's a really interesting article that Ben Solak wrote on the Ringer about how safety is becoming a more premium position in today's NFL than it used to be, and that the Ravens could sort of be on the cutting edge of that um, of that thought that you kind of can't take safety for granted because of you know how teams operate in the passing game at this point. And that's why you take the best player available. Now we'll see what they do. You know, there was a lot of talk um, trying to figure out how to put all three of those guys in the field, Marcus Williams, Chuck Clark, Kyle Hamilton. They could trade Chuck Clark at this point, theoretically, save some money, do whatever they have to do. They could keep him and, you know, just have a incredible second. You know, we were talking with, uh, Spencer last week about like going nuclear on offense. Maybe they're just going nuclear in the secondary and just accumulating as many people that can um, deal with the passing game as possible. Uh, but I love the pick. Notre Dame's obviously the rare team, but you, it's just easy to see them every week and you just end up watching them because they're Notre Dame. And he was awesome. I mean, he was very fun to watch. Um, he was always present. He was always yeah. a factor. Like he's always yeah. around the ball. Always. He, you couldn't ignore him on the field. 
Yeah. Like it was, it was interesting to see all of the Georgia defenders. Cause I, you know, you know, Nicobe Dean, you <clears throat> all those names, but they blended together so much cause they were so good defensively. They're all kind of this, you know, I'm just like all the names are coming up. I'm like, oh, these guys are, you know, they're all kind of the same guy. Hamilton. I just remember watching Hamilton play for Notre Dame and they kept showing that clip of his interception against Florida state where he turned and came all the way to the opposite sideline. I mean, that was just a ridiculous. I mean, I saw that play like 40 times in 24 hours, but what a ridiculous play. Um, I think he makes a lot of sense and, and gives the Ravens some, some flexibility. You know, do they want to use Chuck Clark to go out and get another player? Or do they want to keep him? Uh, that will be an interesting storyline to watch, but I think Hamilton's a guy that could, you know, be a pro bowler in the secondary for a decade. And you'll take that with the 14th pick. Whereas, you know, Davis, if you'd gotten Davis there and I would have loved Davis, he doesn't feel like just as good of a player. He just doesn't feel like as good of a player as Kyle Hamilton could be. And that's why the Ravens do the best player available. Don't, you know, jump up for need. So I, I did see something about the Chuck Clark thing and they said, I forget who said it too, but they said, you know, they didn't draft an inside linebacker. So it looks like Chuck Clark is going to be the green dot guy again. And that that's when it falls down to like, so if they do end up trading Clark, do you, you don't let her, I mean, a rookie safety is not going to call, have the green dot, the the other and I mean maybe Williams can wear it you know because again he's he's gonna have a full training camp offseason all that stuff but th- that that was an interesting point to me was like if they do trade Chuck Clark who again is I mean by all accounts is like one of the best I mean you know guys love him in the locker room he, he they cut Earl Thomas over him um for that whole thing but you know that that was interesting to me to be like hmm, maybe they won't maybe they can't trade him or they won't trade him something like that and the interesting part is maybe, you know, Hamilton is 6'4", 220. Do they bulk him up a little bit and have him play closer to the line of scrimmage and, and deal with, you know, things in that part of the field and then have Williams as kind of your ball hawking safety and Chuck Clark as your quarterback, you know, back there behind him? I don't know. I, I you know, I, schematically, I'd, I'd want someone way smarter about football to, to explain, you know, some of the ways you can get all three of those guys in the field um, and whether Hamilton or any of those, you know, has the ability to, you know, play up on a receiver in the slot or whatever. I don't think that that doesn't seem like that's what he does, but he feels like just a very versatile guy who can do a lot of things. So uh, that was a universally uh, acclaimed pick by the Ravens. uh, And it didn't stop there. Now, RDT, it was funny. We're sitting at Jimmy's. You just text Hollywood in all caps. And Banks came up to me later and he was like, when I saw that text, I thought like he got in a car crash or something because it didn't seem plausible that he could get traded. Uh, But that's what it was. Gets traded. Um, The Ravens get the 23rd overall pick from the Cardinals. They trade back to 25 and they take Tyler Linderbaum, the consensus best center available from Iowa, who some of the draft analysts are saying he was the best center they'd evaluated in five to 10 years. Uh, He has the Marshall Yonda seal of approval. But RDT, I first want to ask you your thoughts on the Hollywood Brown trade. Um, I, well, now now seeing what happened today kind of makes more sense why maybe they started doing this last week um, with the DeAndre Hopkins PED suspension. Um, also, and I don't know if you saw, but DeAndre Hopkins in his statement said he's going to get to the bottom of this and what happened. So that's a, that's kind of a new good one for like a, a drug suspect you know i'm gonna find who put these drugs in my body that's don't worry I, he said he will I, let, let everyone say, know that is 10 out of 10 i love everything about that it's, i love everything about that i don't know if you've seen the um i think you should leave it's one of my favorite shows it's the hot dog skit where he says he's driving his he's in a hot dog suit and there's a car 
that's shaped like a hot dog and it drove through a storefront and he goes, I'm going to, we're going to find out who did this and we're going to spank their butt. And he's in a full hot dog suit. So that's, <laughs> that's Deandre Hopkins right now. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the trade was again, all the stuff that came out after it, um, the, you know, he has to be traded. He told them that, you know, it was told Lamar. It wasn't him. It was just the system. The trade itself wasn't, it was surprising, but then hearing all that afterwards, it's like, yeah, okay. That kind of makes sense. The guy who tweeted why you have playmakers if you don't use them asked to be traded. Like, shocker. No way. It's, it's and, like that was a, and that was at the Cardinals draft party 10 minutes after he got traded. Literally 13 seconds after the trade was announced, <laughs> he was on stage. Um, and I think he was working out with Kyler Murray last week. He tweeted Boomer last week. You know, there's a lot of stuff that we probably could have been like, hey, there's something something kind of going on. And it, it, to me, it's interesting because, again, Cliff Kingsbury was on McAfee's show Um talking about how they'd been working on it for, you know, a couple days and stuff like that. So it's like, man, for Lamar and, and, and Hollywood to be that close for Hollywood to again, be out there. Again, I don't know how close they are, but it seemed like they were pretty close for him to be all the way out there and, and not tell Holly or not tell Lamar or anything. It's kind of just like, Oh man, I guess, um, you know, it's interesting. I do feel bad. I mean, we had a full, what, three or four week meltdown of people complaining that he was wearing Joe Flacco's number five now. (laughs) And now you don't have to worry about it anymore. So I'll tell I you almost, my, my number, my number 15 Hollywood Jersey is just an absolute joke of a purchase. I mean, I couldn't I, imagine uh, trading a first round receiver <laughs> um, away for, you know, a couple draft picks. I just could never. I thought about going old man, y'all next cloud for a moment there on Twitter and just saying like anybody who bought a five Hollywood Brown Jersey deserves a refund. That guy, that guy should pay for every single one of them. What a fucking joke. <laughs> like, Oh man. What a! I can't believe we pulled the trigger on that thing, but like, in hindsight, it's starting to make more and more sense. Um, we're just kind of now in no man's land. I know that the Ravens had their eye on uh, a speedy receiver that Pittsburgh took right in front of us in the fourth round there, and that was kind of the one guy that was within their reach that they didn't get. Everyone else, everybody else, they had on their board at the receiver position got overdrafted by a, a, like a round according to DaCosta. So um, we got our work cut out for us there for sure. Uh, maybe we'll throw V. Maybe. Uh, yeah, let's get to the receiver talk in a yeah, second. Yeah, I, I, have, I have some thoughts on that. But let's talk about, let's talk about your guy, Linderbaum. Beef, beef up front. Beef. I love the word beef. But, I just love talking but, about beef. But I, I do, uh, the wrestling videos, inject the wrestling videos into my veins. Tristan Wirfs, get absolutely worked. Get yeah. worked. He, they, this Wirfs. guy owns Tristan Wirfs' soul. Because it's not just the wrestling video. It's the hail hail bay. Yeah. Hay bale throwing. What a goddamn mouthful that is. That's a tough one. They should get some hay bales at the facility and Owen smells. That should be part of the regimen. 100%. I'm sure Yonda left some laying around. Sure. Could you imagine if someone gets hurt doing that, what the people would say about the training staff? (laughs) You know, like, oh, thanks. Maybe if our guys were tossing hay bales around all day. I'm just imagining Linderbaum works out in the Rocky Four barn from Russia, and he's just that's where he's doing all of his stuff. He's just in that barn. Beating it's up one of the, the one the, of the great the workout beef, scenes in movie history, by the, the way. like beef cuts. Oh my gosh. Just uh, what's that song? For a second. Are you talking about Rocky Four Hearts on Fire? Yeah, Hearts on Fire. Yeah. All it's time the best montage, montage of all scene. the movies, I think. Yeah. Ooh, the Creed one montage is also very good. With the that is also melon. very very good. I need to rewatch. Yeah, that. 
I mean, yeah, I was very good. Cry- crying in the club during that movie. Mm. God, yeah. Rocky, uh, when you think Rocky might die, horrible. Yep. Um, Linderbaum feels like a plug-and-play 10-year starter. I, I don't know if there's much <laughs> more to say about it. The old plug-and-play decade-long starter, you know, just, yeah. Yeah. Just pop him in that, that's just, go. Yeah. If he's not, everyone that I heard talk about him baby. is wrong. There was not one person that said he wasn't a plug-and-play decade-long. That's NFL the best best way to deal with beef is set and forget, baby. One of the stats that was getting thrown around that I'd never heard before was that there's like an 100% hit rate on first-round centers. Yeah. There's never been one that's failed, which is amazing to me. Uh, so, sure, that's, a, that's an easy way to do it. Going into the draft and we looked at the line, a lot of the talk was about tackle. Um and would the Ravens address right tackle or would they address just a tackle that could play left or right because of the uncertainty surrounding Ronnie Stanley. Now we talked to Ronnie Stanley. We asked him, he seems very confident that he's going to be playing um, at the beginning of next year. The Ravens instead go to the interior now, you know, with the off season signings they made and with the ability of Patrick McCary to kind of play all over the line, they've started to develop some depth and versatility at that position, as opposed to last year when it felt like, you know, Anytime you cut off any part of the string, the thing was falling apart. If you feel like Linderbaum is going to take all your starts at center. And by the way, and, you know, we had an entire post-game discussion um, in the last two years about snap problems in football games. This guy should take away all that stuff. That has been a problem for the Ravens at center, snap snap problems. So they went and addressed that. That should be done and dusted, and you have your starting center for a long, long time. At yeah. a position that you just don't want, as you said, you don't want to think about. That's when you just do not want to think about. I regret to admit that I did this today, but I went back and looked at a little bit of that Bills game uh, a couple of years ago. And because there was a play before the pick six, Lamar threw that Hollywood should have been open for six. And I couldn't remember in my memory if, if he had uh, made like a business decision or he dropped a pass. I knew there was something going on with the play. And what had actually happened was Lamar had zero time to throw. Lamar was, or uh, Hollywood was sprung open um, towards the left pylon. And Lamar tried to get the ball to him and just couldn't because he was just no time to throw whatsoever. And so, yeah, it goes back a couple of years, these offensive line was and just getting some guys that are healthy and get some depth behind them and some consistency, continuity, all those good things. Like, it's going to go such a long way. And it's, it's, what was that? Um, even though it totally turned out to be pretty fucked up last year, but the draft last year, remember uh, the Bengals had the opportunity to take that tackle. Was it Sewell? Yeah. And they yeah, took yeah, Jamar was- Chase instead. So there was that meme going around of uh, throwing, throwing, like Joe Burrow throwing like- to anyone. Yeah, th- yeah. Or Joe Burrow trying to throw to Jamar Chase downfield. Mm-hmm. Okay, it didn't age well per se, but the notion is one that that checks out. Like, if Lamar can't sit in the pocket or 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 we can't get pushed off the line, like who's out there receiver it doesn't matter. So, I mean, it didn't uh, I, down the stretch when when it was Lamar or Tyler Huntley. Let me hold on. Let me do something very quickly here. Twenty nineteen Baltimore Ravens. This oh, will, wow. This a mid-show mid mid stat, stat check here. Wow. Uh, the leading receiver on the 2019 Ravens, one of the greatest offensive offenses of all time, 
was Mark Andrews with 352 receiving yards uh, and 64 catches. Um, in terms of for wide receivers, our top receiver had 584 yards, and we were one of the greatest offenses in the history of the game. So let's think of, let's stop and think about what how valuable that position is. And I know the result of the season. You don't have to come at me with that whole thing. Like, Ooh, what happened in the playoffs? Like the luck, unluckiest game in football history happened that game. So, um, and the defense faltered. They got bullied. So, anyways, we're talking about old news here. Uh, no, no. I think with that in mind, let's let's jump let's jump ahead in the picks here. The, in the fourth round at one twenty eight, the Ravens take Charlie Kohler, tight end of Iowa State. Eleven picks later, they take another tight end, Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina. It feels pretty clear that there is an effort to, and now Likely they they said post that it was just like we didn't necessarily want to take two tight ends but this guy was high on the board and he fell and we couldn't resist but they're gonna have four tight ends on this roster i mean these two guys getting drafted in the fourth round are not getting cut nick boyles is on the roster obviously mark andrews on the roster arguably the best tight end in football second best tight end in football and lewis riddick made the point on the espn broadcast that you know his thought is that the Ravens have made this grand decision to just control the middle of the field. They're going to control numbers, number to number, hash mark to hash mark, and just everything is going to. And if if you if your safeties can't deal with our tight ends, if your linebackers can't deal with our tight ends, we're just going to own you in the middle of the field. You talk about 2019. A lot of the great passing success was in the middle of the field, middle mm-hmm. of the field, middle of the field, middle of the field, set up by how well the Ravens ran the ball. Not a ton of stuff outside the numbers. Not a ton of stuff deep downfield. The Ravens have either, you know, have calculated this and doubled down on what they did in 2019 with the diversity of big pass catchers. You know, you know, Hayden Hurst had a good season that year, blah, 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 blah. A diversity of big pass catchers. And maybe guys like a guy like Likely who's got big time speed. And this is why I thought they might take Chigo Conquo, who ended up on, on RDT's Titans, a tight end that has speed to stretch the field in the middle of the field. Yeah. You know, Mark Andrews does that. You see him catch balls over the top, but really like beat guys down the down the seam and catch 60-yard touchdowns. Um I'm fascinated to see how they distribute all of these tenants. Kohler is a guy in terms of his size that you would think profiles more as a blocker, but all of the things that I've read about him is, you know, big catch radius, you know, guy in the, in the, in the red zone, you know, it's six, six, two sixty. They made acrobatic catches and was like a, a, a kind of a safety valve at Iowa state and not a, like a Nick Boyle understudy. You know, that's not where he would be used for is what is what I understand based on like mm-hmm. watching, you know, I didn't watch him at Iowa State that much, but, you know, listening to all of the you know, conjecture around that pick. So what do your what do you guys sort of think about that in terms of are the Ravens? They also then take a running back later to put another running back, you know, into this kind of mix with with all the guys um, and names, you know. Are they just going to try to, you know, turn back the clock? They traded Hollywood. They have a guy like Bateman who in an offense like this feels perfect. Great route runner, really good hands. And he just needs to be sure-handed and, you know, do enough on the outside to make it so you're just not packing the middle or whatever. Is it just a retread? Is it just going back two years ago and thinking, all right, we're just going to try to do this again. And we're not going to overextend Lamar to have him throw it all over the yard like we were doing the first six games. That didn't end up working. You got hurt. Blah 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 blah. 
Uh, it's exciting. I'll tell you that much. I think it was, like you said, they did not go into the draft with this mentality per se. I don't think, but what they came away with, they may just tailor what they have to, to what, you know, these new players. Um, just like you said, I think Kolar is very much between the seams or so um, red zone uses body in some mismatches and, and catch some of those high balls. And then I think likely is, is, potentially going to be used on some like tight end screens, some creative plays, like put him out in the slot a little bit and let him kind of find some space and, and let him try to run with the football. Like they're, they're similar, but different players. And I think that that's a big asset for us because Andrews and Boyle are so, so much on the opposite sides of the spectrum. And these two are kind of maybe, I mean, they're more towards Andrews for sure, but um, I think it's just, so many weapons that they're going to have at their disposal to, to really go at teams in different parts of the field, whether it be um, line of scrimmage being midfield or in their own territory or deep in their own um, opponent's territory. Like, and it's also uh, to some degree, it's, it's like, um, it's almost like double, double dipping. It's like uh, not doubling down, but like we did it with Pitta and Dixon in the one draft. We drafted both those guys, so we were sure that we were going to – you know, you just are doubling your odds that you're going to hit on at least one, maybe both the guys. Um, and that turned out to be like, okay, Pitta was the later taken tight end, but he turned out to be the better one. Same thing with Hurst and Andrews a couple of years ago. Take two tight ends, you know, odds are good that one of them's going to pan out. And if you get two good ones, then, like, that's a good problem out in your hands. That's why we have J.K. Dobbins on our team. Um so if you read the period, we're going to probably refer back to this thing. Peter King article. I don't know if you read that Taylor. It was a great read. He shadowed them in the, uh, in the war room for the entire fourth round. Uh, really talked about, you know, what they liked about each player. And as you know, it all played out what their strategy was. And um, their guys, they, they were kind of over the moon about both of them. Um uh, Kohler was the academic Heisman winner, which Bashadi was all fired up about, um, like 3.97 GPA or something like that, biomechanical engineering, some crazy shit like that. A lot smarter um, than me. Yeah, I'm hoping he doesn't just go like quit and go do math like uh, John Urschel did a couple years Write ago. Write another book or, <laughs> um, or something, yeah. Yeah, uh, and then Isaiah Likely is just – He's just a great athlete. He was dominant in every game he played. And yeah, it's at Coastal, but um, those guys played some pretty big games the last couple of years, and he was a factor in all of them. Yeah, they were. I mean, Coastal was, you know, the bell of the ball in college football for two years in terms of likability and stuff that they did and played, you know, exciting brand of football. So, um, real quick, too, did you guys see? And I just I saw this, I was catching up on the draft stuff yesterday that Sigma Dell was in the Ravens' war room. Did not I, see that. I did see that. Yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. I would love to know. Yeah, yeah, which makes sense. Um, But again, I would love to know, again, what, obviously it's all analytics, but I would love to know what stuff he is, um, you know, what what he's bringing to the table there. I didn't know if he was just like, uh, you know, hey, hey, Bashat, you know, Steve, can I come and sit in? And, you know, again, the guy seems like a sponge of information, wants to learn it all. So I, well, I I mean, I think, I think we, we've, maybe talked about this on this show before it would kind of behoove of the Orioles 
to go in and see what the best practices that the Ravens are executing based on the two trajectories of those franchises for the last mm-hmm. 20 years. Yeah. That actually is awesome. If those guys are collaborating on, you know, it's not all the same, but innovation and, and, and best practices organization wise for how you scout and how you organize that stuff. And, you know, it's two different sports that you're scouting, but you want to do those things in the most efficient and, and find simple numbers or whatever it is to try to project forward. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that the Orioles analytics evolution has been a little more televised because my devil is obviously such a huge figure in getting hired by the organization, but obviously the Ravens have done a ton of analytics. I mean, we have, you have a bit on Twitter at this point with Stern and the fourth down conversion stuffs over the past you know, three years. So the Ravens have done the exact same thing and really turned the page on that and been innovative in that way. So I, th- I think that's really cool. I hope that there's some synergy there where sometimes I felt like this is not a conversation now because you're going through the draft. It's, it felt like at times that the Ravens and Orioles like acted very separately. And maybe that's not true. Maybe that's just my outside perception. Cause I don't know anything. Cause I don't work for either team. So that's easy for me to say, but some 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 common ground and some and maybe that just stems from the uh the thursday night football controversy opening the season that's where that entire narrative comes from but that sort of collaboration i feel like can only make those two teams better it certainly can make the orioles better because the ravens do a great job in everything that they do for the most part um as we continue on here so the, the tight end part i think is super interesting how that offense gets designed around that um, let's go back up to the second round. David Ajabo, which is a classic Ravens pick guy was supposed to be a top 20 pick bang his Achilles tough. One of the worst injuries you can have, but it's a pretty big track record of guys recovering from that. He was playing his best football at Michigan, um, last year after, you know, coming late to football, um, and on that, on that awesome defense, um, with Aiden Hutchinson and gets reunited with his old defensive coordinator, even if he can't play this year feels like a guy that you could look back and be like, that guy was a second round pick yeah, and just falls right into the Ravens lap. And they know him better than anyone because it's a hardball connection. So the Mike McDonald connection too. Defensive and coordinator. Obviously Mike McDonald, yeah. Got the overlap there too. Like, man, this guy gets off the ball so quick, like between him and Oway, like, it's going to be terrifying to be uh, a tackle on either side, having to deal with that. And so teams are going to have to put their running backs back there in pass protection a lot of times. Um, man, they're, they're just going to be a big problem. Like hopefully by the end of 2022, um, and at worst, like 2023, those two are going to be absolute beasts out there. And then like, man, I mean, we can keep going on some of the other picks we got here, but we're, we're, we're figuring it back out in the middle of the defensive line too. Like we're just putting together yeah. a defense. That's really not just going to be a team that, you know, defense, that's going to be fierce this year but for a long time coming well everything you read about travis jones they took in the third round defensive tackle is that if he plays for ohio state alabama name your blue blood he's a first round pick and i saw i i I remembered his name coming into the draft because i you know started doing sort of like looking at big boards and stuff three or four weeks ago kind of trying to get a feel for everything and i was like uconn UConn, Randy Edsel, yeah. and um, 
And it's weird because they didn't play. They obviously didn't play during the COVID year. They came back and played this year. They had a bizarre year where it was all about Edsel. And, and I was like, they, I was like, that's gotta be a mistake. There's no way they have a guy that could be in like the top 60 picks. No chance. It's see a big meaty guy, like a defense. Yeah. Tackle. Like where'd they get that. that guy? Where'd they get that guy? But everything, then, you know, everything you read now is, you know, Consensus number project- two D tackle behind Jordan yeah, Davis. Yeah, projected like- to be a number projected to be a number one pick by a lot of people. Um, number two, number three defensive tackle, as you said, um, by a lot of people. But um, just a great stat. UConn went four and thirty-two while Jones was there. There's oh, there's really. a clip of him absolutely destroying the. Uh, the tackle that the uh, the Patriots took in the first round at Seattle. Chase Strong or whatever? Yeah. Or Strange, Strange or whatever. Sorry, yeah, Strange. Whatever his name was. Yeah, yeah, he drives him back at the Senior Bowl, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I will say, guys. I will, I will say the Ravens, BaltimoreRavens.com had a five, as a five things to know about them, and they have Jones sat out 2020 due to COVID-19 concerns, well, his whole team sat out. So, I mean, yeah. like, copy and pasted like that. Yeah, copy and pasted that on every page. Yeah, I mean, the the Randy Edsel, you know, made an executive decision for the safety of his players and never had the team in the country. But here, so, uh, great job! By <laughs> Thank him. you for your service. How'd they reward him for that? Uh, gave him the boot after three games, essentially. I guess he technically resigned, but no, there was we'll no contract incentive for that, was there? We'll have to see. But six foot four, three thirty five. I mean, you want to talk about absolute beef? Absolute beef. Um. I think he's a a perfect addition, and and the Ravens needed a guy. I, I think I think they that's why Jordan Davis was was so the talk is they needed just another piece of not depth but another guy that could produce um, against the you know some of the teams and the, the running backs the Ravens are going to play in the AFC yeah. North. Uh, Those big man. guys get tired, man. They need breathers like Michael Pierce. We just don't know what he is. Yeah. At this point, and Matt BK is coming along, but you know he's he's not quite there. Hopefully, he is this year, you know. But between the three of them, you got a, a great rotation there. Yeah, I think that was a really nice. The, the Jabo and Jones picks kind of come together because they felt like two really good value picks. And and Jones, I remember uh, opening up the Athletic after day one, and you know they did a remock of what how rounds two and three would go, and. The Athletic had Jones as our second round pick, not our third round pick. So that just goes to show what kind of talent he is and what kind of fit it was for us too. Yeah, just just a tr- tremendous work. Um, that uh, that Ojabo pick too. I was at the beach watching it. We were getting ready to go out, and I look up and all I see is you know, with the forty fifth pick, the Baltimore Ravens select, and I don't think we had the the volume on, but I just saw the Michigan highlights come up and i was like motherfucker like are you kidding yeah. me like and again like like you wrote banks like i how did that ha- like how did they how did they let that happen can I, that, that's just written in the stars like you knew that I, was gonna happen. can i do my my nick canner medley now just because it fits into the conversation better now than it will later sure my pick of the of for this week is the nfl for for doing this every single year they just let these guys fall into our laps Every single year. So shout out to the NFL. All these teams that draft like absolute morons who overthink everything and read too far into 40 times and how they're so desperate to get guys who can play for them week one and, and don't have the patience to let, you know, a guy like a job like come in and, and get healthy. And obviously he, like 
you're not drafting for first year production much anyways. So like, what, did, what are we talking about? And then like the next guy you're going to talk about the tackle from Minnesota is absolute house. How does like all his measurables are top two rounds. Like it just goes on and on with all these picks and the NFL, this happens like every single year and every really single does. year, it's just A's and A pluses from everybody. And, and people wonder how we do it. And it's just like, well, we just don't, we don't shoot ourselves in the foot. We just don't do dumb shit. They don't try and get cute with it. And like, yeah, it's just, it's, just it's, it's like clockwork. Players. It's crazy. Yeah. I, when a came up or when that pick came up and they were showing the best of all players, a was there, Michigan guy. I was like, I turned to somebody at the bar. I was, I was like, well, that's the pick. It's going to be, it's about to be a Jabo. And we didn't have the volume on. Yeah. And I just, you could easily, you know, lip read Ojabo. I was like, well, that's done. Easy money. That was the easiest pick of all time to predict. Absolutely. Wow. Um, it's just like too, too easy. Um, going down here through these other fourth round picks, we'll, we'll, we'll try to go a little more rapid fire here. I mean, beef again. I mean, we talked about him coming in. He's about a million pounds and about eight feet tall from Minnesota. I'm really um, just mad there's not rugby clips out there. I didn't catch like, developmental tackle, clip. but some of the stuff he does athletically at that size is ridiculous. And I remember when the, when Maryland played them, you just watching the game, and, and sometimes the linemen all blend together. You could very much tell who he was on the line. I mean, he's just giant. I I um, haven't seen any of his his clips. He's not like one of the big, just a sloppy guy. Like he has. Does he have like footwork? Does he have technique and all that stuff? Or is he like a, uh, he's big, but like, or is he just like someone this big should not be this fast? This, like, is he one of the pulling, like, uh, is he pulling and he's just demolishing people or is it just like somewhere in between? It's like, this technique isn't quite there in terms of like when to use what technique and think, cause he's a, if you didn't know, he's like a late bloomer. Like he didn't take Mm -hmm. up football till just before his senior year at IMG Academy. And so, by the way, get ready to hear that every time, every time uh, he's on the field for the rest of his He's Australian, came from Australia, played rugby and basketball. Um, Yeah, he's just, uh, he's just a big old dude. And, and six, nine, three, seventy nine. He scored a touchdown from the fullback position against West Virginia in in the the guaranteed rate bowl (laughs) opening or not the opening draft of the game, first score of the game. And I'm fascinated. I'm so curious to see if we can figure something out to have him. Like he might be the guy that that you hear 78 is reporting as eligible, like every other play at MT Bank Stadium. Because he could just pop out and be a red zone target if he needs to be. But also that that his weight is mind-boggling. 384. He's nobody's become 15 pounds of that in combine history since they started like really recording that stuff. He becomes the heaviest player in the NFL. It's unbelievable. Beef. One word is beef. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what he kind of brings to the table. Feels more like a developmental pick based on obviously the lack of football he's played. Um, and you wouldn't think he's going to have to play with Morgan Moses and Ronnie Stanley in front of him anyway. And McCary is kind of the swing tackle or swing lineman in general. Uh, what the Ravens do though, depth chart wise there, you know, Juwan Jones is the guy they traded or excuse me, Juwan James, is the guy they traded for. And you thought, okay, after he gets healthy, that's maybe a guy that helps the Ravens to tackle. Um, now it's like, what is his role? If you have Flayla there, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, but love the pick. Um, 
Jalen Armour Davis, um, who has a lot of talent, got, didn't stay on the field a lot at Alabama, um, but seemingly has all the traits you like as a corner. Um, a lot of people like the value there. Uh, Chris Sims was like raving about his makeup um, as a kid in, in, in all, you know, the kind of classic intangibles department. Um, so an, an Alabama quarterback goes there, um, but not to, not to go past JAD, who I think, I think the discussion is pretty simple in terms of what he gives the Ravens, you know, defensive back depth wise. The Jordan Stout pick was one that turned a lot of heads. Um, there were th- Mel Kuyper was raving about the top three punters in the draft, obviously had um, Ariza from San Diego state, the punt God, you had the kid from Georgia and then Stout from Penn State. And I mean, this is this could be it for the Sam Cook era, I think is what we're staring down here. Ravens can get a little cap savings by cutting him. He's 40. I wouldn't say the performance has gone down like in a sharp turn, but I would say it's you know on a downward trajectory. And it looks like uh Stout is the heir apparent. So could be the end of an era for the Ravens. Uh, it's Sam Cook, who could be a Ring of Honor guy, to be totally honest. That, yeah, he could be. It's crazy. I, I we can we kind of have a habit of of cutting people loose before rather than later. Um, I mean, what what can you really say about Sam Cook? It it didn't look like his performance had been declining or whatever, but uh, everything that Dacosta said after the draft was like, can you really like look yourself in the mirror? a year or two from now and Sam Cook decides he's done and know that you could have had a guy to be your guy for the 15 years after that, you know, he's right there to be had. So they really liked him and they took him. I mean, he's, he is awesome. Like I'm honestly got sick of hearing about a raise it. Cause all right. People talk about hitting punting 70 yard punts. All right, let's break that. Yeah, down I got sick of it too. Reese so Davis was absolutely dude. blowing Ariza on the broadcast. And I was like, look, this other guy has way better stats. They should this, have somebody had the stats on Twitter. There's that, but even the video that they kept recycling during the draft cycle here for, for two months of Ariza kicking a ball there at uh in Indianapolis. Oh. The ball, first of all. I think the the sports center or ESPN would always try to caption it uh, in a way that made it look like it stopped inside the one. The ball lands on the goal line on its third bounce and does not stay out of the end zone. So, like, first of all, you got that wrong. But regardless, it's talking about it being a 70-yard punt. Well, yeah, he kicks the ball and it travels 70 yards, but people don't realize that what what is a good punt in the NFL? A 50-yard punt, you would say? That's like a standard high. I mean, the average is like 45. They get dragged down by like coffin corner punts or whatever. But anyways, a 50-yard punt, okay? You've got a 13 or 14-yard snap and a couple steps forward. So if you're kicking it 61 yards or so, probably 60 yards in the air, that's a standard punt. 70 yards, yeah, it's good. It's impressive. But it's not like – I think people have this perception that punts travel 45 yards in the air. They do not from foot to where they land. They travel 65 yards on the regular. It's not that impressive. It's impressive, but it's not that impressive. So I've been on this Matareza fuck this guy train for a long time. And so we took somebody else. And so I'm, I'm here for it. Like I'm sad about Sam cook, but I'm almost glad from like a troll perspective that we took this guy ahead of him and we can, he can be our guy. And now I can hate another punter on another team for years to come. Boo the punt god. Fraud. The punt fraud. 
pun fraud. Wow. <laughs> Where did he went to? Fraud. Oh, Buffalo, right? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. 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 And, to, and to an AFC rival. Tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it looks like, I mean, Stout, the, I have seen him in person in Maryland. Um, can't say I remember watching the punts that clearly, but I remember coming to the game. I uh, was like, oh, they have a really good punter. So there you go. There's my there's my in-person analysis of Jordan Stout. Really, really intriguing stuff. Uh, Demarion Williams, quarterback from Houston, is their final fourth-round pick. Uh, feels like more of a slot guy based on everything red. Can't say I've ever seen him play. So, um, But brings some more depth. Uh, the Ravens always seem to take about eight defensive backs in every draft, and this was no different as they took three um, guys in the secondary in this draft. And then uh, Beatty from Missouri, uh, the running back who's very productive there. Todd McShay loved him when he was going through the, um, the uh, evaluation on ESPN. And that third running back job is wide open. So, you know, Zurebic did the, um, the depth chart coming out and had Justice Hill obviously as a veteran ahead of um, what will be a rookie, but he's got every chance to win the job over Justice Hill who has, you know, kind of just really not been much since he uh, arrived in Baltimore. So could be, you know, running back depth. We'll see somebody else. They could sign someone, but, um, you know, six net round pick, not guaranteed to make the team, but I think they drafted him with the intent of him really pushing um, at that third running back slot. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly right. Um, he can pass catch a little more, I think, than, than what we have on hand. Although I do think Gus Edwards doesn't get enough credit for what he can do out of the backfield, catching the ball. But uh, yeah, I mean, even geez, talking about that Buffalo game again, uh, JK Dobbins dropped a pass in the flat that would have moved the chains on a drive in the second quarter. Like this just a, just another drive that went to the wayside because of, you know, we just didn't have a running back. It was a third down back in the right situation there. So maybe Beatty can carve himself out a role there. Let's talk about him doing special teams there too. I'm sure he and Demario Williams both will be involved there. So, um, yeah, not much. There's not a ton you can really say about those guys, but um, the one thing I, I, which is consistent, you know, good football players tend to be captains for their college teams and good players get drafted. So it's not like shocking when you draft players who are captains, right? But it feels like it's it's it was a common theme, like a lot of guys with intangibles and those types of things uh, among the players they took. I see just a lot of C's on chess as I'm looking at these guys. So that's uh, that's always good to see. Yeah. So you're what would you guys you know, we're not draft next by that's, you know, why we had one on last week. Um, the consensus is that the Ravens did a tremendous job. Banks, where's your, your mood on the roster coming out of this? You know, we've gone through free agency now. You, you have the draft, and that's kind of your seminal moment where you kind of take a 10,000-foot view and you say, okay, now what's this roster looks like as we head towards minicamp, training camp, all those things in the summer? Where do you feel about this roster strength-wise, weakness-wise, whatever? I love it. I mean, I love this roster. Of course I do. I mean, what else would I say? Like, this draft has been phenomenal. <laughs> I feel like we crushed the offseason – almost perfectly um the Sidarius Smith thing like we talked about last week left a little bit of a bad taste in people's mouth um but you look at what they did do and I think that they they addressed some things of major concern they, they packed on some depth at some positions of course wide receivers a point of contention and you know and understandably so I'm with 
the idea that we got to go out and get somebody at least, even if just to be a, a veteran deaf type guy, um, would love for it to be somebody who can make a real impact. I think a lot of people are giving Jarvis Landry a bad rap. He's a good football player. Like if we were to go out and get him, I'd be pretty psyched about that. Um, Emmanuel Sanders has gotten, you know, had a lot of great production over the years. Um, Julio Jones, the drop off for him is like, whoa. Um, but even him, if we were to take a guy and Julio Jones and just see what we can get out of him, like, I don't know, that could be worth it. But that's really the only area. Like, what? Look at, look at what we have on defense here, and show me where the weakness is. Like backer in the middle of the field, I guess maybe. Like that's the yeah, only the inside place. linebacker. Like you get these corners back and, and, these safeties and, theor- that they have now. and theor- theoretically, you know, if a job doesn't play, you're still missing some stuff on the edge. Um, in terms sure. of maybe like exciting young production. Now the Ravens just placed, <laughs> I was trying to understand this, the rare unrestricted free agent tender on Justin Houston, um, which so the, the Chiefs did it with Melvin Ingram, the Ravens did it with Justin Houston. Since the Ravens placed the tender on Houston, both players would count towards the um, – I can never say compensatory. 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 I am so stupid. Pick formula if they were to sign with another team. So essentially the Ravens use it to maybe get another comp pick. Now, a lot of people thought Houston could come back. There are other – there are other – Free agent defensive ends out there, Jadavian Clowney being thrown around once again. See if the Ravens jump on that train. It feels like they have to go out and get a veteran defensive end. That would be the other weakness, I think, is you know some more dynamism of the in the uh, in the pass rush game there on the outside. Sorry, but, I, I as you said, no, as you said, as you said, no, that, that that tender. I meant to have that more defined, and then I got absolutely dominated by compensatory, compensatory so i sort, yeah. sort of lost my my way but we you know we've talked about my ability to read and things like that in previous podcasts and the reasons for that so i don't think there's any reason for anybody to make fun of me for that and i think if you do i think you're a bad person so um that that as that i think would be the the spot where um the ravens could use some and, and there's no depth at inside linebacker really that would be my other concern you have either of sure. those guys get hurt you know they may need to go sign someone there at some point or, or trade for somebody or whatever but, but yeah, this, I mean, the secondary, which so gave up the strong. most, the most pass yards of the millennium. I mean, that seems to be fixed. Yeah, I think that that's fixed, and I think that we got the beef inside to continue to stop the run as we've done for so many years. Um, yeah, I mean, I love. I, I have a tough time seeing, as long as we're healthy, seeing this not being a top five defense. It's just. They're just that they have all the pieces in place and um, we'll see what, what Mikey back brings to the table in terms of the scheme and, and those types of things. But they hear so many good things about what he does too. So. And, and his then, ability to creatively use players. And that was, I think where yeah. everyone gives him the credit for Hamilton and Clark coexisting on the same roster not thinking of, not thinking of pigeonholing both of them into a safety position, you know, can you move them around the field and do different things with them to allow you, um, you know, to throw off opposing offenses. RDT, when you look at this roster as, you you know, an AFC rival as a contender to, you know, two teams trying to make the Super Bowl, where do you poke holes in it? And what scares you the most as an opposing fan? What scares me the most is still, I mean, 
I feel like the amount of weapons, like we talked about, like again, them adding two more tight ends. Um, I mean, we've seen what happens when they can, what they can do with, with, you know, tight ends who are physical and big and, and can move people off their spot. Um, and, and I mean, the scary thing also is, and this is the big thing is how healthy these guys are going to be because like everyone said at the end of the year, like when they get back a healthy Lamar and a healthy Dobbins and a healthy Edwards and you know, the line is fully healthy, like, and you're going to play a last place schedule. Like that's a, it's a super, I mean, it's a super bowl roster right there. Like it's legitimately one of the best rosters in football. Um, yeah. And I I'm kind of on that same, the same path as like the pass rusher, Again, OA was really he was really good at times last year, and then there were times where he disappeared for seemed like the, the last half of the season, that that stretch of the season. Um, so that would be, and then obviously inside linebacker too, like you guys said. But but it does seem like they they did sure up the the pass defense, which again Kyle Hamilton is going to help that a lot. Williams is going to help that a lot. Um, that that to me is the biggest thing that they fixed because again, I mean, how many explosive plays they gave up, and how many times we saw it during the games where not just chunk plays like over 50 yard plays. It was coming every single week down the, down the pipe. So, um, I mean, you know, again, the playmakers definitely scary and, and they scare me a lot as I guess, I guess in a conference rival, but, and then, you know, them really shoring up the defense, the, the, the past defense. And again, I think, like you said, if they can go out and find someone else, a veteran pass rusher, it's it's gonna make them that much better, and you know even if even if the dude from Michigan doesn't play Ojabo, um, Ojabo, that's the other right. That's what we're going with right now. Okay. Even if he doesn't play, which again I don't really know if we can expect. I I saw people being like, you know, who's gonna play this year? And it's like, well, it's still an Achilles. Like, let's let's pump the brakes on it. Not everyone. Who's the dude that came back and um, the running back for the Rams? Acres didn't he come back in like six months? Yeah, yeah. Like not everyone is that, but. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's a really good roster, and again, them playing a last place schedule that's that's going to benefit them, you know. So that's scary to me too. I think the other part about inside linebacker that potentially could help them is with the array of defensive backs on the field, they could just play all their defensive backs and have just Patrick Queen on the field by himself, you know, as the as the inside linebacker, you know, and then you know have Owe and Bowser and all these other guys, you know, on the outside rushing the pass or doing whatever. And you're playing like dime and you just have all the defensive backs on the field. That's I mean, the other that's... thing they do. And with a guy like Hamilton, who's big, who's six, four, and is, you know, you're probably going to put on, you know, maybe a little more weight or a little muscle, whatever um, in an NFL, you know, strength and conditioning environment, not that I'm sure they don't have every resource in the freaking world of Notre Dame, but um, whatever they said, do with them. He, you know, that's a guy that's, that's, it's big you know he can come up and probably make and, and make plays and has all the range to do it so um it's kind of like what the chargers did in that the playoff game where they used you know derwin james like that when they had a billion line uh, you know um um defensive backs on the field yeah you know? and there's not many teams that are going to really bully you for that the one team is potentially your team i mean that is that's the team in the afc that is going to attempt to do that with derrick henry man we're cooked but you guys don't have AJ Brown anymore, so it's just going to be easy. That's to what I was him. going with. Neither of you guys reacted to my. I couldn't imagine trading a first round. Uh, we, I, so with the last no, no, name no, no, Brown, no. I wanted to get us through the Ravens, so we were going to get to that. I mean, uh, what no. is your team doing? They didn't want to pay a uh, receiver a hundred million dollars, and you know they only offered him sixteen, and he said it wasn't his fault. When I don't know, I could go on and on. It sucks, but whatever. I will say I fuck love. Christian Kirk. That's what I'm going to say. Love the Malik Willis pick. 
I, again, I saw that at 1130 at Starboard on Saturday night. I looked down at my phone. I must have not looked at my phone for 40 minutes. And I looked down. My Instagram was blowing up. My, my Everyone was texting me. And I was like, oh, what's going on? And then seeing the Malik Willis, I like that. I, that's the great. Again, not to get it, not to go Titans heavy, but I, I, I like that pick a lot because it was amazing to watch the quarterbacks mm-hmm. that were. I mean, Malik Sam Willis was projected like to go in the top, top ten. Well, no, no, Sam Howell had fallen, but Malik Willis was projected to go in the first, like in the top twenty picks this week. Yeah. This week, everybody no projected no one projected Sam Howell at this point because everyone thinks there's going to be a running quarterbacks so that get overdrafted. But to get the guy in the third round, mm-hmm. it's not like they took him at the top of the second. There was speculation that those teams were going to trade up to the top of the second to start taking those quarterbacks, and it just never, never happened. happened. Yeah, it just never happened, and all those guys slid down except for Kenny Pickett, who I don't even <laughs> think. I mean, knock on wood. I mean, he's playing for the Steelers, so maybe he will just absolutely eviscerate me for you know twelve years. But I mean, you know, a, a, a really good year at Pitt. He was great, but it felt like there was like, you know, the Roonies can't let the hometown kid go again, like Dan Marino or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, just felt like that's what they were doing. And I don't I, think Kenny Pickett is Dan Marino. I'll say that. Yeah, I, I, you know, no disrespect to Kenny Pickett, who looked, by the way, and it stuck against the Steelers, looked overwhelmed with emotion about it, which was very, very cool. His um, his fiance, wife, girlfriend, and mother were not having a good time when the cameras kept showing them though, like before. Before mm. he got picked, they looked like they wanted to be anywhere, but but. But I'm sure because I'm sure all of them read, you know, him and and Willis and all the and Panthers, Corraler, Seahawks, and all those teams like all oh, the devil. I mean, they gotta take the quarterback. They just gotta mm-hmm. take them. And the Steelers just got to sit there and get their pick of the litter. Uh, and they took Pickett. We'll see. But um, yeah, I think that's amazing value to get to get a guy that has all those tools um, and act and showed college production in the third round. At a time where he, he, I mean, you have Tannehill. It's not like you need to press him into service. But once Tannehill takes that dip, you have that exciting guy for the now. It is going to create controversy because two two Tannehill games in a row that are bad. It's like where's Willis? Where's Willis? Mm-hmm. Now Tannehill has to deal with that. But yeah, well, don't throw three picks in a playoff game, and you don't have yeah. to worry about it. <laughs> That's good pressure to have. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so this is where the Ravens sit. We now move. We'll see. You know where other where, excuse me where they address the rest of the roster. Um, but, you know, receiver ends up being the other question mark, obviously. Um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll finish the Ravens discussion on this. Um, I like the uh, – Jarvis Landry feels like a guy that could be like a souped-up Willie Sneed at this point in his career. Um, like he's just a sure-handed guy that gets you first downs and things like that. So we'll see what they do there. Um, final thoughts on the Hollywood Brown era and move to the Orioles. What era? The Hollywood Brown era. Marquise Brown era? Sure. Glendale Brown? Let's keep it moving. Wow. Already That's paid? all I got to say about that. Um, you know, why? what does he, what did he say? Why you draft hitters well, when you're not going to use them? What did he say? Soldiers. Soldiers, soldiers. sorry. Soldiers. soldiers. Yeah, I mean, I don't, it's he's going to go down. At, I, Which, they by get the way, it, disrespectful to the troops. Come on now. Can't, the okay. troops and Kellen Winslow. He's a troop. Oh, I God, I love that Kellen Winslow speech. Oh, I, under, <laughs> if that happens, if that happens in 2022, it has 50 million views on Twitter. I was oh going to say God. that is that was one of the ones that we missed out on things I wish Twitter was around for. Oh, my Kellen God. Winslow soldier. The Kellen um, Winslow soldier. Oh, my God. It seemed like a lot of people were really banging on him on, you know, that night. Um, a lot of people were fed up with him. I mean, it's it's a rare attitude. It's It feels like for him to have that, like, 
I mean, you could probably count on one hand the amount of guys who've openly been like, trade me from the Ravens. I don't, I mean, I can't ever remember, you know, something. It's been like a long that. time since a guy like did that. Openly, I'm trying like, to remember yes, one. I asked. Yeah. Again, I mean, it's, you would be hard pressed to find one probably. Again, like, like Banks always talks about the, the culture and you have people willing to take pay cuts and wanting to go there, openly being like, I want to play there. And then you have Hollywood Brown, who again is one of the most dynamic quarterbacks we've ever seen. And he's like, nah i don't want to i don't want to play let, let me go play against you know the niners defense twice a year and the seahawks defense which is bad now um you know in the rams defense who just won a super bowl twice a year so okay see you later i've got his jersey and i just have no idea what i'm gonna do with it that's mm. my that's my biggest takeaway i mean it's just got i got nothing out of that jersey Should at all. Ma- so. mail it to arizona honestly may i maybe the Ravens will do an exchange Come on, I, I think I think Marquise Brown should do an exchange. Wow, there you have it. Well, I'll get send in his, it. Uh, I'll get s- in his Twitch chat and ask him. By, oh, by the way, did you see Antonio on Instagram like the next day, just posting all those photos of him in Marquise's jersey? Oh God! Oh, He's now that's gonna be a thing too, isn't it? He's a lunatic. I wish that's I was joking. Guy, I wish I was joking. <laughs> Uh, I gotta go find this hashtag call God. Um, there it is. (laughs) Hollywood Brown. The era is over. Ravens need Ravens need wide receivers, but wow. (laughs) What a photo. There's a reason. There's a reason they drafted Rashad Bateman in the first round. And there's a reason that everyone was high on Rashad. I think that that's the thought to leave this one on. He's overlooking some balcony inside with his receiver gloves on. Like what are, what a ridiculous Gosh. photo. Oh, boy. Are um, those rumors going to be put to bed now? Like, that, that has to be put to bed, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes, they will. They will. They will. Because I think I think the driving force there was We the still need a receiver, so people are going to talk. Nah, I, I think – I think I, – I think maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm maybe I'm naive, but that, that just feels like that's not going to happen. But, by the way, like a, one of my final thoughts here on the draft for now um, – Going back into that Peter King article, Eric DaCosta and the Ravens foresaw this whole situation where this COVID seasons with 2020, 2021, and had basically foresaw that the draft was going to be deeper, maybe not strong at the top, but deeper in 20 for this draft here in 2022, because players were going back to school as opposed to going out for the draft because they didn't get to play a season. And so they just stockpiled their, they made it their mission to get as many third, fourth, fifth round picks as they could. And they, they went out and they did that. So I'm this group of fourth rounders are going to be linked together forever. And I'm excited to see what happens with them. Good way to end it. And we crushed the first four picks of the draft too. The first four picks of the draft are phenomenal. And then we got six fourth rounders and somebody's going to, I mean, there's going to be a couple, couple good players there for sure. Are the Baltimore Orioles weirdly fun at eight and 15? I, I just tweeted earlier, like they lost the game two to one tonight to the twins. Twins are in first place. They're playing good baseball. Like as weird as it said, like that's not, it wasn't a bad loss. Like they just, they just didn't come through. Um, they're not playing bad baseball at all. Like they're they're really not. They're, I I don't understand how they're pitching 
is still holding up. If you took Travis Lakins off this team, I mean, the, the numbers are – so here you go. This is from Steve Molesky. In, f- in just four games this year, has an O's starting pitcher allowed three earned runs or more? Four games this year, an Orioles pit starting pitcher has allowed three earned runs or more. So two earned runs or less in 19 of 23 games, including the last six straight. Their home rotation ERA is 1.72. That's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. The bullpen has been very good. Um, I don't get it. I mean, yes, they're very fun to watch. The, the offense still stinks. They're, wa- they're still walking. They're striking out a ton. Like you said, they're still on pace to, to break your record you talked about last week, Taylor. Um, but, you know, Hayes is having fun. He's finding himself now. Mullins, is, that average is getting back up there. Trey's missed the last couple games because he banged his, his ribs. He said he thought he broke them or cracked them um, the other night, making a nice catch and right. Um, yeah, I mean, the guys are fun. And, and you know, the big news of the week, I think, was – um was Adley, you know, getting the boost up from from Aberdeen to um, Bowie this week. So he'll be playing tomorrow or tonight on Tuesday. And, I mean, it's no shock. I'm going to pull up the numbers. But his uh, – let me see his numbers. All right, so his rehab in, in Aberdeen. And he should be doing this. He had 462 with a 533 on base percentage, 692 slugging, six hits and 13 at-bats, three doubles, two walks, zero strikeouts. I mean – Again, he'll be in Bowie this week, and then I talked to a guy in Norfolk. They said they're fully expecting to get him for their week. They come back on – they have a road trip, and they come back on May 10th. So I would expect to see – and again, take your calendars out, and you can look at it now. It looks like he'll be in Bowie until the 10th, or at least you know the 9th or whatever. And then starting on the 10th, they'll be in Norfolk for maybe four or five games. Once they start bat- once they start making him catch back-to-back, you know, finish games and stuff like that, I think it's just a matter of a couple of days – before we see him up in Baltimore. So get your, again, get your, get your calendars out and start, start planning some, some games and, and looking at the dates and, and cause Adley's going to be here pretty soon. It sounds like DL hall may not be far behind either. So they were all at Jimmy's today eating. So join a nice crab cake egg roll. Not a bad thing to enjoy. No. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the pitching is so weirdly ah. phenomenal and the hitting is so, you know, historically bad. It's just a fun, it's just a weird combination of a team. It's just so, so weird. Um, you know, you would think like these Orioles teams have been bad the last few years, you know, it gets the bullpen and these games just get way out of hand. And no, they're, they're just losing these like grinded out like tonight, two to one games against mm-hmm. yeah, good teams because they just cannot hit the baseball at all. Yeah. I mean, they, they, uh, you know, I, I, we saw the first home run over the, the, the left field wall with Mountcastle the other night and he smoked the ball. Um, but I mean, you know, they took a series from the Red Sox who are playing awful baseball right now too. But I mean, they were up nine to one at one point against the Red Sox and, and you know, we, we need those ass kickings. Those are fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it, it's, I think it's, I think they're surprising a lot of people with how they're playing again. They're not, they're eight and fifteen, and Buster Olney still shitting on them, saying, "Well, they're still on pace to lose hundred games." But I, I think you can definitely see improvements out there, um, and it doesn't really matter who they're throwing out there, like Spencer Watkins or Tyler Wells, who's done really, really well in his starts, or you know Felix Bautista out of the bullpen throwing absolute filth tonight. I mean, Paul Fry had a scoreless appearance tonight, and he's been absolutely trash since they took the sticky stuff away. So go figure that. But yeah, again, I mean, this team, they're, they're, you know, again, eight and 15, 
They're not they're not gonna make any runs, but but I think this is a fun team right now. They're 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 not making me turn the game off by the third inning like they were last year. I'll say that. Does Buster want to talk about the three and nineteen Cincinnati Reds at any point? I don't think he said a single word about the Reds. He's just, you know, the oldest team. Another in the team, league. by He's, the way, that has like the ownership talking about how, you know, uh, what that like the fans are going after the ownership. Like there's a bad situation. If there. the Go if on. if if Angelos had said what the what with the, the Castellani, the Reds. I'm team, trying to find the quote. I wish I had he, had the quote. Yeah, I, I I think I know a couple of people talked about it on Barstool, but he literally said, where else are you going to go if, if, if you don't watch the team? And then now they're, they, I think they are off to the second worst um, start, 22 game start in history. The only one worse was the one in 21 Orioles. I lost, mean, you know, let me, let me head to Barstool Sports where some writer named RDT has a headline The Reds could be the worst team in the history of professional organized sports. They're off. That, that, that guy seems to have some credibility. Open it up with the tweet. The Cincinnati Reds are in pace to go 22 and 140 this year. <laughs> 22 and 140. Buster hasn't said anything. Kirk Herbstreet's attacking them. What I, a blog this yeah, is, RDT. Kirk, yeah, Kirk was coming out. He was, <laughs> you know, right in the middle of draft season. He's this like, tweet let, let is me, awesome. This is such him. a good, like, I'm an enraged fan tweet by a really famous person. Mm-hmm. It's May 1st, and my beloved at Reds have won one game in all caps since April 10th and have averaged 2.7 runs scored slash game during that stretch brian i'm a diehard fan but feel they're already irrelevant and essentially mathematically eliminated from meaningful baseball games very sad great tweet by kirk herb street that's just 10 out of 10 stuff mm-hmm. get him kirk I mean, get him spot the lie the reds are really bad but oh this crowd oh my god that's like a that's like gives me ptsd to the maryland football 30 minutes before the game crowd shots <laughs> mm. Don't give me those. Don't give me that. I hate those. Don't do that, media. Um, yeah. Great blog by you, RDT. I mean, a lot of blog talk today. You guys go read RDT and Banks' blogs on some website called BostralSports.com. They're tremendous. But yeah, back to the Orioles. Yeah, it'll be fun when those young guys come up. And if they can, if they can kind of sustain this level of the pitching and just find anything offensively, they should be decently competitive, which would be nice. Yeah, and again, I don't know. I I don't know how long the pitching is going to stay because I just, again, I said it last week, like they can't keep this up. This is not sustainable for a full 162, but they're just, I, I get, I mean, they were dicing up the Red Sox this weekend. Like that, and- the, the defense they were playing against the Yankees last week was just an absolute abomination. That was gross. Yeah. And again, they seem yeah. to have some of those. Every they have some of those like, games oh, there where they you're are. just like, Oh, there they are. But then they have a two to one grinded out win against the Red Sox in extra innings where the Red Sox reliever, Picks up a bunt from Robinson Chirinos, who's just trying to move guys over, and he throws it against the netting 30 feet over, you know, Rafael Devers' head. So it's like, I mean, that's the Orioles used to do that. They were doing that two years ago, throwing the ball around. And so it's like, I don't know. Again, they're finding weird ways to win some of those games. Um, Again, they had a walk off walk against Chapman, and then they had a walk off error against the Red Sox. And it's just like, that's. So they've had some very bizarre wins. And again, if they could find any hitting, they may have 10 wins right now. Like they may, you know, or they, they may have, sorry, 12 or 13, 13 wins. They, they could add a couple more on there. So, and yeah, it's just going to get more exciting when Adley again, it's going to be, it's going to be by the end of the month. So probably a couple more weeks. Yeah. We await those call-ups um, at this point. Let's get to our starting five draft presented by fed thrill. Uh, 20% off. Use the promo code X52. You can get um, some nice sunglasses for um, 
both the summer season and the other season. Um, and that both those seasons are coming up. So be excited for that. Um, nice. A couple days this weekend were nice. It was very nice today. So uh, it was not nice on Sunday, but it was very nice today. Are we going to get rain uh, this week too? tonight i don't know what the rain situation looks like this week we should get a weather segment we should get I'm a sponsored just, I'm weather just thinking segment because then that then that's ret the meteorologist now wednesday 40 percent chance um so make sure to get those sunglasses uh best sports days of the year is the topic um this week the starting five draft presented by fed thrill rdt you are the first pick i have the second pick and banks you've got the third pick so RDT start us off best sports days of the year with a specific one of them um, coming up this weekend. So um, that was the inspiration for the topic, but it is a pick. So I won't totally give it away, which probably will get taken in this draft. RDT start us off. I mean, my first is the first day of March madness. It's, yes. It's I, I, and again, like that, that may be as chalk of a pick as you can get. Um, it's just so much fun. Um, you know, every couple, it seems like it happens a decent amount where, that is St. Patrick's Day. Like it always, it kind of it lines up like that every few years. Um, but and there was nothing like it in like the early 2010s, I guess, when you're like you're at the bar and you have a billion brackets. It's like you could still do brackets online, but like you carry it around your brackets and a highlighter, and you just had them at the bar circling games and xing out your ones. Um, but just again, starting at you know right around noon, you're getting a full 12 hours of games in, and and there always seemed to be an early upset or two on those, on those days. And you're just like, this is March Madness. This is the best. And we get, we get another three and a half weeks of this. And there's just, again, I mean, there's really nothing like it. I know it's a very chalky and just cliche. Like people tweet that a lot too. Best day of this, you know, best sports day of the year. So I think, I think that ha- that has to be the number one pick. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a pretty, pretty standard one, one there. When you first hear that March Madness theme, you know, I think the, yeah. the phrase hits different is used a lot. Probably mm-hmm. too much that, soundboard. that legitimately hits different. But she said with the catch. But she said um, with the catch. Great pick. It's a great pick. There's just nothing really else to say. Um, This is where I think there's a lot of places you could go. Because I think I thought that was going to be the number one pick no matter who was up there. I definitely would have taken it. Um. And I'm going to take – I think there's a couple NFL ones that can sit in the uh, in the vicinity here. I'm going to take Thanksgiving because, for me, Thanksgiving hits not only with the three NFL games, but the greatest rivalry in high school football, Calvert Hall Loyola, to start the day, which, is all, which has been a thing that I've done my entire life as a Calvert Hall legacy. Um, yeah, means something, means something. Um, that was always the start of our, my, my day to watch that or go to that game and then kind of just like kind of not care about the first half of the Lions game that started, which was fine. And then you just kind of roll through the rest of the day and have a lot of fun. So I'm, and, and it's Thanksgiving. So you're just on Thanksgiving and that's great because you're just eating food and watching football and just getting, and then you just, you know, if the second half of the NBC game now is bad, you just fall asleep and it's great. So Thanksgiving. So I'm going with good day. Good pick. Bank shift two. I am going to take. Oh, a lot of indecisiveness. It feels it's like here. It's in your face. It's right between two of them. Well, thank you. Two two, you have two picks. No, I can't take them both right back to back. 
Wow. I am going to take I'm going to take NFL Championship Sunday. Mm, okay, I think I know which ones you're you I know which ones you're between. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. AFC NFC Championship always turns into a big time day drinking day for for me somehow. Um <laughs> We've been there, folks. Um, yeah, no, it's a great day. It's just high-quality football, lots on the line. Like, other days, there's just one game, and it's just, like, I don't know. It's it's a, it's so built up that it doesn't live up to necessarily, like, I don't know. Whereas Championship Sunday is still a little more, like, you get a good, long eight hours of football and lots of drama, and they tend to be great games. So, yeah. Cream kind of rises to the top at that point. And again, it's what you want. Like you want the best, you want the four best teams on that day. And, and more times than not, I feel like we get that. So yeah. Quick. And then I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take this upcoming Saturday. It might be an overdraft a little bit. And really the only thing that you, you get to really nail it down to is the Kentucky Derby, but you always get the Kentucky Derby. You get, NBA and NHL playoffs, you know, usually late first round or second round, just getting going on either of those sports. Uh, They always tend to make like the best primetime games on that Saturday. And there's always some big time boxing or UFC that's going on on that given Saturday. I think you can a hundred, not to explain your pick for you. You can, there's always a big fight. There's literally always a big boxing. Always a big fight. There's always big boxing. There's always big. You've had De La Hoy Mayweather, you know, Canelo fights this weekend, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to take that one. Um, it just seems to be like this intersection of all these awesome things. It just always tends to fall on this one day every year. Yeah, no, Taking there's that. no doubt. I, I, uh, I want it on my board, and I don't think I'm going to get it if I if I don't take it now. Yeah, I think it's a good draft because I think I probably would have taken it as a guy. I love boxing, so um, that's always a fun day. I've never had a – you know – with what I've done professionally um, never been able to enjoy that day a ton in terms of in that way, because we've always had baseball. I've always had a Maryland baseball game that day with our homer away. And that's kind of like cut through the day of like being able to like really sit and enjoy like Derby day. Um, and then, you know, kind of go in for the fight later, but that's an awesome day. It's an awesome day of sports and you know, for all the reasons you outlined. Um, I was probably going to take it there. Potentially, it was definitely among um, the ones I wanted to take. Hmm. What do I want to do here? Between a couple, between a couple. Um, let me see. 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 Um, oh, this is hard. This is actually a good draft. This is like made me think. I'm going to take... New Year's Day. I'm going to take New Year's Day. Um, obviously, for ever and ever, it was just sort of about the bowl games within the BCS or whatever it was. Um, now you have college football semi, college football playoff semifinals there. Every once in a while now with how they line them, they should just make it so those are the semifinals every single time. But, you know, college football can never get it all right. Um, but that's an amazing day of football. Just an amazing day of football, regardless of whether the semifinals are on or not. You're getting the Rose Bowl. You're getting bowls starting at 11 a.m. on till the end of the night. Um, awesome day of college football. So I'm going to take New Year's Day. That was probably my next pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a third pick there. It's a good one. Um, I will go. Um, I'll go opening day for baseball. 
Mm, felt like that had to be on your team. Yeah, and again, <laughs> it's just there's games starting, you know, right at one, and they're all day. Um, and sometimes I know it did a couple years ago. I think 2016, it, opening day fell on the day of the national championship game for um, NCAA because I got way too drunk at the Orioles game and completely missed the UNC Villanova. Yep. Yep. Double, double, <laughs> yep. huge onion shots. Um, so that's always cool when that happens. I, again, I don't know how often that does. Um, but again, I, I mean, you know, you talk about a big, if your team is home, you talk about a big day drinking game uh, day and it's just the best with baseball going all day. And it's still usually a little chilly, but most of the time, you know, we've had good weather, decent weather here in Baltimore for uh for opening day for baseball so i will go with that one it's good pick i mean opening day is classic i mean it's it's a fun day to be around the ballpark it's a fun day it just sort of it's a historical american sports day Mm -hmm. um this one all right i may i have a i have a question about this one i obviously can't take and I think this is what a, this was going to be Banks's other one is quote unquote the wild card weekend. Do I have to take wild card Saturday? I think you got to pick a day. Okay. I think they're kind of two I, distinct I, days and how they line up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I know and now with super wild card weekend, I certainly can't give you them all. Thank you, yeah. Taylor. Yep. Yep. I was going to correct him on that as soon as he botched it. All righty. Well, I'll go with Super Wild Card Weekend Sunday games because I wish you'd take it Monday. <laughs> I was gonna take the Nickelodeon game. The Nickelodeon game. Um, no, you know the Sunday. The Sunday is when they that that's usually the meat and potatoes of the the the, the teams that people want to see on that wild card. Um, it's just you know again it's you you usually at least get. A couple of good games, good teams, so I'm going with that. And again, it's just like that's kind of the app. I just called it meat and potatoes. That's kind of the appetizer weekend of the like. This is going to be a good playoff run. Like, I mean, the games, almost every game this year was in the playoffs was absolutely unbelievable. And and it it all starts off on a now super wild card weekend. So sorry for not leading off with the super part. Sunday to be more specific. Super 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 wild card weekend. God, I can't wait for that Monday night game to stink again next year. I kind of <laughs> hope that game stinks every single year. Rams Cardinals <laughs> this year, right? That's who it was. Horrible oh, game. What Just an dog. atrocious football game. That was like the, <laughs> the only bad game of the playoffs. Just awful. No, wildcard weekend as a whole wasn't very good. And then it ramped, ramped. Well, no, up. I mean, well, well, you had Titans, Titans, Bengals. Okay. Was that wildcard weekend? No, it wasn't. No, no, it wasn't. Never mind. It was no, Raiders it was, it Bengals. Was, yeah, Raiders Bengals. That was a good game. And then that what was, was the, the other first one? game? I think yeah. it kind of it kind of went downhill from there. If I remember, we had, right. oh we had the Steel, Steelers Chiefs. Where was that? The second dud. That was a dud. Well, it was a dud up until because we thought the, the Steelers. Week. We thought that the Steelers had a chance off that TJ Watt. We were like, oh, it's gonna happen. Yeah. And then I don't know who thought did. they had a chance. It didn't. Well, Bengals Bengals twenty six, Raiders nineteen, Bills forty seven, Patriots seventeen, Bucks oh, thirty one, yeah. Eagles fifteen. 49ers 23, Cowboys 17. That was a good game. Chiefs 42, Steelers 21, Rams 34, Cardinals 11. After that weekend, everyone's like, wow, super wildcard weekend sucks. The playoffs suck. And then every single game was good after that. Yeah. So I, I had it back. I had it backwards. Yeah. You're right. Some of those teams having made the playoffs last year is going to be sick. 
Well, that's what's going to happen. I mean, I I think that's going to be the issue is you're getting more playoff games, but you're going to have some teams like the Eagles and Mm -hmm. the Steelers who both were trash. Um, Who should not have been. And honestly, it's what – and respectfully to our own team, if they play the Chiefs in that game, it's not going any better. I mean, we would have gotten destroyed in that game. So, you know, we, it would have, you know, maybe if Lamar had come back, which it didn't look like, maybe that would have made it more competitive, but the Chiefs would have, you know, thrown for about, I think Mahomes would have like 800 yards passing. Super wild card. So, yeah, essentially the games you took this year were Bucks, Eagles, 49ers, Cowboys, Chiefs, Steelers. Those are your three. Games. Well, again, it's just your first taste of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and you have to take the Sunday now because you get the two, three games on the Sunday and you get mm-hmm. the, the two games on Saturday. Um, so you figured that out eventually. Uh, I am going to take, I don't know if this comes back around, so I'll get it on my team. I'm going to take uh master Sunday. I'm going to take Sunday at the Masters. Yeah. I didn't think that's getting past two more banks picks. I think I can get this other one. I won't come back around. Uh, obviously I had the privilege of being there this year, but uh, an incredible TV day. If you're, you know, experiencing in that front, just an all day golf-a-thon. All time nap uh, day. Yeah, and and the thing is, like you know, for the golf for the golf purists, you're watching all day. For the golf casuals, you're getting the nap, you know, one of the great naps of your year, and then watching the end. So, and you get to go to the butler cabin. Mm-hmm. So, we get our you know our window into the cabin. So I, I'm going to take that with my uh, third pick. Uh, bank shift two. I do have two. Shoot. I, oh, that, by the way, by the way, the, the, the power of audio, the power of audio, Banks just lost it, lost it, tilted after that one. Absolute tough, tilt. Tough, tough scene. By the way, I've heard very good reviews for that hat, Banks, after the photo that you, we took last week. Thank People you. love that hat. We need to get sponsored hat. by whoever makes that hat. I'm not going to give him a free hat, but it's just no. that. Um, I, I'm going to take... Shoot. As the dog barks in the background, this I is know. dramatic stuff. I know. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take NFL drafts round one Thursday. Mm. I'm gonna take that there. It was a good first round this year, wouldn't you say? I mean, it was moving real quick. The first ten picks, but oh, then it in was the middle moving. there. It was. It was moving quick. It was chaos with you trying to figure out how to get on the Barstool draft show. Um, yeah. And but, then we trade. We had another pick, and then we moved back, and then. The night was over very quickly. Yeah, I will say this about the first round of the NFL draft, and I've very much enjoyed both of my experience at the Jimmy's party the last two years. So this is not a commentary on the Jimmy's party, which is incredibly well done, and the food is incredible. I love sitting on my couch and watching the draft. Like, it's one of my favorite things to do. And I, the only thing you lose of, like, being in that environment with all the people is, like, like I just love Kuiper going through the guys. I love the ESPN music. I love, you know, yeah. the chaos of the broadcast. I really think the broadcast is really good right now with Kuiper. I, I can take or leave Mike Greenberg. I don't really care in that role. But Riddick is really good. I think Booger is good. I mm-hmm. think Booger is good on the first round. So um, and then you get McShay. You get McShay after that the next couple of days. Um, you know, he's on – ABC to start and he transitions over four through seven. It's a good broadcast. I think Lewis Riddick is really good on TV. I, I know people don't like that one in a football crew, but he just breaks stuff down. And I feel like I'm understanding what he's saying. And mm-hmm. I'm not a, you know, football coach. I love Kuiper. God, Calvert Hall's best export. And it was like you're saying, I mean, it's a hell of a pick because 
all we did all week was talk about, oh my God, what a boring draft this is going to be. This is so boring. There's no, but then the second it started, it was like, oh, this is exciting. This is great. This yeah. is so much fun. Like it's, Football's it's back. just, it's, it's the NFL, man. It's just they're king. In the opposite way that baseball makes all of their things feel unimportant, the NFL makes everything they do feel so unbelievably important and things you, you have to watch. You have to be engaged in the NFL draft. I mean, I'm at a wedding Saturday, and we spent 45 minutes breaking down the draft picks of the you know everyone's teams at the table. <laughs> Everybody at the table. Because it's just like everyone watches the draft. It's They're picking college players – putting the, I mean, this thing should not be exciting. And mm-hmm. I also, one more draft thing I'll say, and then I'll get you your next pick banks. That's probably the most dramatic separation between an enjoyment of a live event product and a TV product. That must be awful to be in person for. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, awful. it would be miserable. It would seem so miserable. I'd just but be on my I, phone on, the whole time. I'd be scrolling on, yeah. Twitter. On TV, you can like, get up, have some beers, look at your phone, text your friends, like being at the draft and just kind of like staring at the podium and not being able to hear the analysis, like hear whether that was a reach or not. Cause unless you like know it a lot, you're not like looking back at your board and be like, Oh, why, why'd they reach for him? God, I love the draft. It looked like they had like a band and stuff playing at least in like the later rounds. Yeah, there was an ice cube performance after one other. Well, that, well, that, I mean, right? that was just a thing in its own right. Just like <laughs> yeah. breaking the mic, but how about ice cube has done the NFL draft and that weird uh three on three. nascar racing oh, the nascar race that was great that was awesome yeah i love that <laughs> i watched that thanks you have another one i'm gonna take Ryder cup sunday Ooh, yeah singles match play is phenomenal stuff and um if it was like a big time event enough i the wgc match play like there might, i don't know what day i'll pick of that because the championship day of that actually stinks but Usually the Saturday of that tournament where it's round of 16 or round of eight with a lot of great matches is a great day, but Ryder cup with everything on the line, uh, singles on Sunday. It's great stuff. I needed a golf on my board too. So. Yeah. The only thing you guess lose with the Ryder cup is you only get it every two years, but man, does yeah, it, so it really presence cup, I guess. I yeah. Know. The Ryder cup delivers though. I mean, that's the thing. It, it pretty much, and you always, Every team always has a chance going into that Sunday. And and we've seen crazy stuff happen. So that's why you always have to watch it. Like you can't ever chalk the win up most of the time. So I like that pick. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. Ba, 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 ba. What would I, what do I want to do here? I probably would have taken first night of the NFL draft. That's still been on the board. I freaking love the draft. Um. I don't really know how to put this into words. So I'll take, and you guys can tell me if I need to be more specific. Every Olympics, there's like one day of the Olympics that feels like it's got the best stuff going on. Like in the 2008 Olympics, there was a night where there was like all around gymnastics and Michael Phelps. And when the Olympics like has the all day, I'll just take a day of the Olympics. Like when they have the stuff going on all day and I just lock into it, those are one of my favorite sports days. And that happens every four years or every two years, I guess you could win or summer. So I'm going to take just a full Olympics day, like a full blown Olympics full slate of the, the big, yeah. big events of the, of the big events. Yeah, like you're getting the, Us- the Usain Bolt hundred yard dash, the you 100 know, meter. And, come on. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Have sorry, a little respect for track. I got the, I have, 
I had the draft. Our, arguably our biggest fan who tried to cancel us last week. He's oh, a big track and field guy. Uh, I had many people say the draft. My draft was a good pick. The war draft was a good pick. But oh, yeah. no, I'm, I was talking about I was talking about us interviewing a certain Ravens defensive back who likes a certain restaurant company, which is why a certain oh, person yeah. tried to cancel oh, us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That so, was a deleted tweet. Yeah, yeah deleted Weird. tweet. So we'll see if he listens to the show. And we'll see if he, now we'll see if he listens to the show. But yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. You're right. Sorry. Yeah, you, you get Bolt, you get whatever. Phelps, yeah. you get the the relay and stuff like that. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I, I don't know how to sum that up, but I I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting. There's there. just ones I remember from each one where you're just like you had to be involved in the primetime coverage because they're just bouncing to like four different things. And you're like, we're giving go away gold medals in this. We're giving away gold medals in this. And I just love the Olympics. Um, RDT, you got two to finish yourself out here. Um, I will go the opening day to NFL free agency. I love that, that, has be, that because it just it's like and obviously we get the leaks and like the the Schefter and 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 Rappaport who have now been like this person is expected to sign and you know they use their thesaurus on every word um you know so it makes it sound like it's not official but like when when the league year starts and they can sign those contracts it's like Boom, 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 And there's like, oh, there's been $10 billion in signed contracts in the last 38 minutes. I love that too. And it's just, it's hard hitting. It comes at you quick. Um, it's, it's a very fun day, I think. Um, you're just sitting there refreshing Twitter all day, all day. And again, more, more time, like, I feel like there's a lot of big names moving, especially this year. Um, there were a lot of names moving around. So I, I always like that day. I think it's, I think it's a low key, very fun day. It has also been a day that's like emerged a lot mm-hmm. last like five years. And you know yep. what one has absolutely died that used to be the best free agency? Major League Baseball. The hot stove. The hot stove is the coldest stove in the history of the world. Yep. The hot stove used to be piping hot. Mm-hmm. Piping hot. Like mid-2000s. Send me to the winter meetings. Give me the hot stove season. Oh, my yep. God. We're popping the stove. Now the stove has gotten thrown out of the kitchen. God, is baseball stink, RDT. Your sport stinks. <laughs> All the things I used to like about it just don't happen anymore. God. No, they'll get back. Everyone though. signs like three weeks into spring training. What? <laughs> God, they do such a bad job. I love the hot stove. Fuck. Sorry, go ahead. I did get that right. out of my system. My last one is uh, your fantasy football draft day. Ooh. I think that's a very fun day. Again, because you're like, all right. You're, you're you're taking some beers. You're going to a buddy's house. You're doing, you know, you've got your magazines. You've got your list printed out, and you're just you're drafting with the guys. It's a lot of fun. Like I know we we've started to do it. That first um, was it Saturday of Memorial Day? Is that it? College football starts like Labor like Day. we yeah. Labor Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like we st- we paused our draft this year to watch like the final you know ten minutes of the Maryland West Virginia game this year. So we always try and do it on that day. It's always just very fun. Um, and again, I, I'm a sucker for a good fantasy football draft. So I I I like that day very much. It's kind and again, it's kind of like that. All right, summer's kind of winding down. We got football starting soon. Let's uh, let's and obviously it's different for everyone, but it's always like this is the real football's here moment now for me. Yeah, I like the fantasy football draft, especially if you have a good good league. Um. I think five or six years ago, this would have been a different event in this sport, but they've kind of changed it around to where it doesn't really fit this bill anymore. Um, so I'm going to switch to a different one and I'm going to take Royal Rumble Day. 
In a previous life, I would have taken WrestleMania Sunday, but WrestleMania is now two nights, and it seems like they're sticking with two nights. Isn't there one that's always right on the Super Bowl? Or, or, or right that, is the, that is the Royal Rumble. Okay. Um, and the Royal Rumble is in the best wrestling event you can have to um, have a casual fan at because you can just bet on it, and everyone gets involved. It's a really easy to understand format, and it is always entertaining. So I'm taking Royal Rumble Sunday. If we'd done this draft in 2017, I would have taken WrestleMania Sunday. I'm taking Royal Rumble. It was Saturday this year, but Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble Day. Good pick. Finishes off, Banks. It's gonna take the first Sunday of NFL season. That was my other pick. That was yeah. the, those are the two I was I'm heavy on the NFL, but that's fine. I mean, it's a great day. Everybody's team's back in the mix for the most part. It does suck when you get that Monday night game, you gotta wait through all of it. But um, I almost wanted to take the Monday of the first weekend NFL season because the Monday morning reactions from one game are always so good, but you get that on Sunday. Anyway, you mm-hmm. get that on Sunday night. So like, I, I'm, I'm kind of capturing that too. I just love the, the instant reaction. This team sucks. This team that like, like the Packers got blown out by the saints in week one this past year. Looked like they were going to be brutal. Nope. 13 and four Rogers wins MVP, you know, all's well with them. Like, Titan, Titans this, got blown out by the Cardinals, and I get a text 15 minutes into the game. You guys Taylor. suck in week one. Oh, yeah, they're awful. Well, <laughs> and, and like you talked about, the the having the second Monday night game two years ago on the COVID year was awful because they played in Denver, Ugh. and Steven Goskowski couldn't make a kick to save his life. But, yeah, yeah I, get a, I get a text 15 minutes into the game saying from Taylor saying, the, uh, the Titans have given up 35 unanswered points since they sent you a care package. <laughs> <laughs> God, what a savage route for me. Uh the vibes are just so incredibly high when you wake up that first so Sunday, good. Though. And you have the red zone thing. I yeah, the red zone just... countdown. Uh yeah, yeah. yeah. The vibes are high. I, I mean, I think that needed to be picked. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you took it because I yeah. I needed to get a wrestling one in there because I, I do think like big wrestling days feel so big for me. And I had some I had NFL in there already. Uh, but that's it has to be picked. It has to be picked. I would have picked it over fantasy football if I were URT. I think that would have strengthened your draft. Okay. I, but, you know, call me the Kuiper of X-52 podcasts. Laffy Taffy. Um, best sports day – war. <laughs> best sports days of the year. <laughs> RDT takes first day of March Madness, which was, you know, there was no clear 1-1 in this year's NFL draft. That feels like the clear 1-1 in this draft. I had that uh, – and then you uh, – excuse me. You took opening day baseball, wild card weekend Sunday – uh, the opening to NFL free agency and fantasy football draft day. I took super, Thanksgiving. Super wild card weekend Sunday. Super, super wild card weekend Sunday. I took uh, Thanksgiving, New Year's Day, Master Sunday, uh, the best day of the Olympics, and Royal Rumble today. Banks took Conference Championship Sunday. I'm calling that the Cinco de Mayo weekend is sort of what that uh, – okay. that's a good summation of that. Um Ba, 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 ba. NFL draft round one, Ryder Cup Sunday, and the first NFL Sunday. Uh, any honorable mentions? NBA Christmas, which is now kind of NFL's Christmas Day. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Silver. We're taking that from you. Well, that that'll be ours now. Um, I had any elimination day in playoffs. Like mm, those yeah. are always. And again, it doesn't really matter. Like NBA, NHL. Um, those are usually, you know, really hot. Um, 
just a lot of fun, especially like if your team's not playing, but you openly like hate one of the other teams. There's like there's just nothing better. Like when a team you hate gets eliminated. Um, Madden release day. This is circa 2015, so wow. not anymore. But old Madden release day, and then um, bracket Sunday, championship Sunday, whatever you want to call it. Sure. Yeah. That's yeah good. Yep. That's Select, Select, selection, selection Sunday. Sunday that's I believe they call name. that the business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a newer name for it. Sunday. I don't know. I just had it written down as bracket Sunday. I was thinking on the fly. <laughs> yeah, I believe they call that selection Sunday. <laughs> like whatever day Duke loses in in the oh. in the tournament mm-hmm. is one that I would. Coach K's in. funeral day. Yeah. Um, what an amazing night. I, we yeah. obviously talked about it on the show. <laughs> I honestly think divisional round weekend is the best, maybe of all of them. I don't know, but like just the fact that you get the three now on wildcard weekend kind of like nudges it forward a little bit, but it was divisional weekend. That was awesome this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I had going to the list uh, breakfast at Wimbledon. <laughs> Kind of sure. a unique day in the men's final. Sometimes yeah. you can get some epic days out of that. Um, there are some really good like days of tennis, like at the US Open when they go like through the whole day and then they have the night matches. Manic like, Monday. Like, yeah, Manic Monday is a good one. Although they've gone away from Manic Monday now, but that's what um, a sneaky good baseball day. And all I do in the show is trash baseball, but a sneaky good baseball day is the second day of the playoffs where you have the four games. Yeah, in the day where they start like one o'clock and you mm-hmm. go through like the first day I think has two and then they go to the four. That's a very interesting. It's normally like a Friday. I feel like they, it starts on a Thursday and then they go to the Friday. That's always a really good, like a really fun day where you're like, oh, there's playoff baseball on at like you know one thirty-five or whatever. Yeah, it's it like one four seven and ten or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's very that's very good. Like stacked, like fun day. Um there have been – I don't know which one I would give it to round-wise, but, you know, in our darts forays, there have been some epic days of darts that we've watched. Where I was like, waiting like for a darts one. Four, there's just not yeah. one that, like, sticks out to me that's, like, the best one. If it but fell on New Year's Day, it would be tremendous. Yeah, sometimes you get the uh, – well, it did, and now they've, like, switched it. I know. Um, it sucks. Which is stupid. I, that It was darts leading – like, darts with the college football, like – a couple years ago when that was still on New Year's Day where you had like awesome college football and then we had the darts on another TV. I cherish those days. Um, I think that's all that I had. I was trying to like go through back in the day. I, the, the Daytona 500 was an also an awesome day. Like if you're a NASCAR fan, but I'm just not as in NASCAR anymore. Um, one of the biggest race days of the year is um, Monaco Grand Prix, um, Indianapolis 500, Coca-Cola 600 are normally all on the same day. Yeah. So you have yeah, guys that used to do double, day. try to Sunday. do 500. So you have all – that's like the biggest race day in the world of the year. Memorial um, Day Sunday normal. is just a good day in general, which is what that is. Yeah, yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So yes, it is. you get yeah. some kind of some bonus points if you look at it that way. Yeah, you normally have some – you obviously have some some playoff uh, – some playoff basketball, some playoff hockey involved on that day as well. Um, I've always enjoyed Memorial Day Monday with the lacrosse, and then you also get playoff games in both of those sports as well. Um, me and Banks are big fans of this. The first few days of the NCAA baseball tournament can turn yeah. into some of the better sports yeah, days of the point. year. Once again, you have a lot of you still have playoff playoff baseball and hockey just gets thrown, or excuse me, playoff basketball and hockey just gets thrown into like other things to like stack the days more. Uh, but those like, and you can get it super regional round is also like 
when you have the regional round of baseball, you also have the super regional round of softball, which if you get involved in can be exciting, but then you have all of the professional sports going, but those regional games where they're popping around with the dumbest brand change in the history of sports, changing that from bases loaded to whatever the hell it is. Now, what the hell did they call it this year? Is it extra innings or something? No, well, that's yeah, I don't know. Something stupid. And Bases Loaded was such a good name. Such I don't know why they changed for it. it. Um, those days are very good. Um, the Premier League has some stack days every once in a while, but they don't have a specific one. They do a bunch of games on Boxing Day, which is fine after Christmas. But, um, so, yeah, good draft. I'm trying to think of, like, what the worst worst sports days of the year. I was oh, thinking the day after the All-Star game. Well, well, no. Well, that's the ESPYS day. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> yeah, that day sucks. Um, we also forgot um, weighing at the White Marlin. Uh, who could forget? Coming up. I don't know. I don't. That, think so. That's 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 one I. It's <laughs> one I circle my calendar. For I don't think I it's coming it. up quite soon. I mean, somewhat. But it's, what, it's like August, mid August. Yeah. But there's a long time until. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely the ESPYs day. What a horrible day. And the ESPYs normally – God, they're so bad now. They're so, they I mean, really they used to be funny. Like when LeBron had hosted and Timberlake had hosted, they, they were like legitimately funny skits. Peyton did a couple, and now it's just I like, don't know. I think you're giving awesome. it too much credit. I'm not sure it's been very good for a while. I know. Oh, I know. I know. But I'm saying like, – like when I say that, it's been like 10 years since any of those uh, One of the great anything. things that came from, you know – all the Norm McDonald clips that came back when he passed away. That SB's that SB's intro is an all timer. <laughs> it is so funny. Um, all right, let us know if we uh, if we forgot any. I'm sure we we normally do when these things we we can't can't get them all. So uh, let us know if we forgot anything on best sports days of the year. Nick Caner Medley, Maryland person of the week. You gave yours already, Banks. And a stunning move. A stunning one of the first time in. XV2 history that we've you've jumped the gun on. I, I that was a little bit predetermined. I, I thought I was going to do that, and I saw window and I took it. Mm. I don't hate it. Aggressive. RDT. Uh, I'm going the Orioles for announcing Mo Gabba Day on July 28th. Uh, I thought that was pretty neat. Kind of dropped that out of nowhere on us. Um, it's going to be a day game against the Rays. And I saw they said if you buy your tickets, you can choose to donate part. I think part of the tickets um, in Mo's name to the Johns Hopkins Children's Center. So I thought that was a nice, a cool move. Again, get some good PR behind you, um, but it's something that they definitely should do. So that'll be a, that should be a neat game to go to this year. Yeah, very good stuff. Very, very good stuff. I, I that was. A really nice. It seemed like a no brainer. I just I, you know I hadn't even thought that they would do something like that. But. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take uh, Maryland pitcher Ryan Ramsey, who threw mm-hmm. the 34th perfect game in NCAA history on Friday. Uh, I mean, obviously, no hitters happen a fair amount at this point. Perfectos are very rare in college and professional baseball, and uh, he absolutely diced Northwestern. Um, they, they also scored 13 runs, which they did not need any of them, but uh, or only needed one of them, but um. Just a tremendous performance by that kid. He got honored at the Orioles game tonight. The whole team was there. Yeah. Um, they've gotten some national attention. Um, and I've talked about them multiple times in this segment about the season. They're having 35-9, and nine, ranked eight deep in the country. But um, what a moment for that kid. I mean, that is that is really cool. That is uh, – of the things that have happened in Maryland Athletics that I haven't been there for in my career, this now ranks up near the top of things I have been there for. I was at a wedding function, but uh, 
was following that very closely. So good for that kid, Ryan Ramsey. So, Luke Schliger, the catcher for the Perfecto. So it's cool. a it's a pleasure to have him in the College Park No Hitter Club. <laughs> Who was yours against? Georgetown. Oh yes, we all remember. Yeah, who could forget? forget. Uh, in a rivalry game, no less. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some, some, some had said Kevin Herter's block was one of the biggest, um, you know, moments in that Maryland-Georgetown rivalry. But mm, I was I, in person for that. I was in person I for that. I was as well. Yeah. I think there's wow. another big one. We could have seen each other there. Mm. Maybe we did. Uh, were you there for the home game the year before? Yes, I was. One of the best atmospheres in Xfinity. Those that uniforms was, are that so was a great night in so the past good. decade. Those uniforms so were fuego. Um, any honorable mentions from anybody? Uh, the boys for winning the scramble. We sure. played in on Saturday. Shout yeah. out to Dugan, Mike Myers, Tyler Klitsch, James Way Classic, 12 Wander, shot 60. No big deal. RET. Congrats uh, to you. Congrats, by the way. Yes, congrats. There's no bigger winner on this planet than Pat Dugan. I mean, that's just a matter of fact. He deserves his props. No disrespect to anybody else on that team, but you, mm. you get Dugan in there and you're, you're winning. Um, uh, it's my dog's sixth birthday today. So happy birthday. Wow. Man. Happy, happy birthday. Man. Sang man, him happy birthday. And then we gave him a nice big old spoonful of peanut butter. Wow. Dog's dream. And it's then the little things leading into well, leading into that, Scott Van Pelt's dog Otis. I don't know if you guys yeah. could, saw the video, were able to I watch the video. I have not found video. Right time to watch that segment yet. I it's on my list of things to do. I'm trying to just find a time where I can like have 15 minutes to be beside myself, and I just haven't had that perfect 15 minutes yet. But I will watch it. Um, SVP is the man. He just is. I mean, he's just the best representative of Maryland of all time. Man. I just, said it before. The uni- universally the most liked man, might liked person, you know, most approved or whatever Q rating in sports. It's by far Scott Van Pelt. That that video he did again. I was, I was full on ugly crying into my cereal while I was eating my breakfast the other morning when I watched and it. After I'm the, in that point too. Like our family dog is like getting up there in age. And that's just oh. like, but you're just like it. Just it's just bringing those thoughts to my head, and that's just so yeah. hard. It's yeah. Yeah, definitely don't watch it in public. Don't watch it around people. My wife made the mistake of watching it while she was at school. And yeah, I had a friend was that like, was watching it at a great. bar and sobbed. Oh, my God. Wow, at a bar? Yeah. Watch it at a bar. Watch it at a bar. Yeah. That person that was, knows who they are. I don't think they listen, but they know who they are. That was a tough one. Um, yeah. yeah. I will watch that. I will watch that. SVP is so good. Um, I have two honorable mentions. Um, before I just, I then start thinking of them as I talk. Uh, first of all, Columbia Devin, he knows who he is. He gets it. And then, um, the wedding I was at this weekend, at the Pendry, um, the Toussaint's, the newly crowned Toussaint's Ryan and Sarah, just a tremendous wedding Two fantastic people. And they deserve to get a shout out on the show for having an amazing wedding in Baltimore. Basilica then got pictures of pickles where they met at pickles. They met at pickles on the USA bar crawl. You guys were both there. Uh, we, this, we is a, were, this is a wedding. Were that we affected- there? We sold, I think we sold Ryan his ticket. Didn't we banks? 
We may have. I'm guessing him and Marty bought the tickets through us or through. So this is a you. very, very, I very. That we were involved with that. That's right. We were there literally the night that they met. And Taylor, before the podcast last week, was like, was like, I don't oh, you guys the know it. Yeah. And then I was like, no. And then as I was explaining, I was like, wait, 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 wait. You did Michael uh, Rappaport's laugh the entire night. Yeah. Well, it's a wedding of it's a wedding of this podcast. So um, all three of us know them and all three of us were there the day. That I was not, I think, still there at Pickles when they actually met. You guys were both there. So uh, they had like pictures in front of Pickles and then an amazing reception thing at the Pendry. Um, and I think they're like in Jamaica now. So two awesome, two awesome people who uh, deserve the best. So good for them. Um, that's it. We end with a little love. We end with a dog, with a depressing dog story, and then a little bit of love on the XV25 cast. Um, draft done and dusted. Uh, make sure to go back to listen to our interviews with Marlon Humphrey and Ronnie Stanley. Once again, we were scrambling in terms of the audio there for a second. So thanks to Editor Banks for trying to make mine at least consumable a little bit at the beginning. And then we were just screaming at Marlon Humphrey because we couldn't hear ourselves think. So um, just keep that in mind. It was a loud environment, um, especially once they started reading off those numbers for the uh, for the trivia yeah. or whatever they were doing. <laughs> I was like, this is we were just screaming at this guy. Uh, so make sure you're back to listen to that. Um, and uh, the, once again, thanks to those guys for their times. And we'll, I'll close the show as I finish or as I began the show. Um, appreciate Jimmy's letting us go out there and uh, and get those guys and uh, for putting on a great show. Um, Tori Smith also there. Uh, Ray Rice also there. And I miss him. Jimmy Smith, I believe. Yeah, you say Tyree Phillips too. I did ben not. Pa- ben Powers. And ben Powers. Yep. 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 So had some of the Ravens uh, currently and of yesteryear um, at Jimmy's and, and put on a great event. Raised money for Riley Stanley's foundation. Speaking of dogs, um, you can go back and listen. Yeah. He talks about um, what his foundation does in that realm. So appreciate Jimmy's appreciate our other supports. Thread devil midnight has directed to merch. Um, fed thrill sunglasses use the promo code X 52 to get 20% off. Appreciate um, all the listenerships and can't wait to, you know, as we go out in the Orioles games and things like that, continue to, to run into listeners happens every once in a while or at a bar or something. And, and someone says they listen and that's always very, very nice. So appreciate the listeners as always, and we will see you next time on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy's Seafood.